Welcome to a new episode of the Friday and Happy Hour podcast. In this episode, we are joined by a special guest, Mark, to talk with us about internships. Mark was recently an intern at Netflix uh, over the summer, uh, so he'll definitely have some some good sh- stories to share and what it's like to be an intern. Mark, you want to give a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is? Yeah, sure thing. Hey, everyone. Excited to be here. Uh, my name is Mark. I'm currently now working as a software engineer at Figma, but in the past had done a few internships. My most recent one was actually at Netflix, where Ryan was my manager. And my favorite happy hour beverage right now is actually this like chai tea latte that's based with like espresso and some chai and then like milk to top it off. That's a really good choice. The chai tea latte. Very good. Yes, I like it. Good choice. All right. And it's just Augustus and I for panelists. Augustus, you want to give introduction? Yeah, sure. Hey, uh, I'm Augustus and a software engineer at Twitch. And I'm your host, Ryan Burgess. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Mentor. Mentor, which I mean, when you're an intern, you kind of typically need some sort of mentorship. So I'm pretty sure that's going to come up at some point in time. Absolutely. Uh, Before we dive into the episode, I also want to say thank you to all of our amazing listeners out there. Over the years, you've all listened and chimed in and let us know what's working, what's not. So we're asking you again, we'd like to run a bit of a survey. It takes two minutes to fill out just to help us know what's working, what's not, what we can do better for next year. If you want to visit frontendhappyhour.com slash survey, take two minutes, please fill it out for us. Let us know how we're doing. That would be really helpful. All right. Well, let's dive in. Let's start with how do you land an internship? Because I think that can differ between the company, even the school that you went to. But, you know, all three of us have done some form of internship, have also helped as mentors. So uh, I'm curious. uh, Yeah. How do you even start an internship? I'd say one of the things that I think are important context to add when you answer this question is like, how are we defining like, what is the first internship? Um, I think like for me, what I see a lot of students kind of talk about is first internship being, let's say their first internship at a really large like tech company at like the Amazons and Googles out there. But like, for me, that was very different than what I would maybe consider like my first internship. My first internship for me was like my school, I go into UCLA for like their CS program and my school has like a newspaper where we have like React devs that just like put together websites before like upcoming sports games or like just articles that are going on. And I had kind of done like my first internship just by joining that organization. It was sort of like unpaid and I didn't even have much coding experience before then. But now I was in an environment where we have like actual work to do and we have a team of people that are doing it. And that was where I would say like was my first rhythm of kind of like getting an internship. Uh, But I would say like if you are talking about the more corporate style of internship, there are some like kind of rules to the road there. Most of your roles are going to be coming up during like recruiting season, which is typically like August to maybe like even July on the very early end. And then this year, maybe it goes like September to October. So right around like the start of fall season um, is where 80 to 90% of your jobs are going to come out during this time. Like that's when Netflix releases their internships, Figma, Google, like all of the companies. So there's definitely like a hot time of the year um, where you'd want to target those periods of time. And do you just apply to those, Mark? Like, do you just like, or does the school help in some ways? Because I know some schools actually work directly with some of these companies, but like, I guess in your experience, was it just 
straight up applying? Yeah, most of my experience has actually been just straight up applying. I do know that the amount of the one trend that I've noticed is like the higher sort of ranked or more maybe prestigious for lack of a better term school typically tends to have a better job at like helping their students place. I know at UCLA, like maybe we have some kind of support for that, but it wasn't anything big enough to like fall on my radar. I think we had a few career fairs that mainly had like some defense companies based out of LA, but it usually isn't the kind of companies that most students are like trying to target for their kind of like the role that they really want. For me, uh, my first ever one that I would consider as like a bigger name company was at like Tinder. Um, And my Tinder one was actually sort of later. I had kind of given up on getting an internship that summer because it was 2021. um, And I had learned, I'd like made the decision to start coding. I switched from business to computer science in October of 2021. This is my freshman year. And so I am only like two months in, and this is near the end of the recruiting season timeline that I share. And so by the time I felt like I even knew anything about what's going on, it was already like the new year. And so I just kind of assumed like, okay, I'm like probably not going to get anything for this summer and that's fine. Like I'll try to make the most of it. But my actually ended up signing my Tinder offer in like March of 2021. So don't lose all hope if you're watching this right now and you're like, I don't have something for the summer. Um, But again, it was just a cold apply and like things ended up working out. That's awesome. Yeah, because you're right. Like if you kind of miss the mark sometimes when like all the schools are applying, it's not to say that you won't get it. Clearly you did, but it's like there's a ton of applicants, right? That they've maybe already gone through. I'm happy that you were able to get that. So that's awesome. Yeah, for Tinder's standpoint, it's actually kind of interesting because they purposefully don't release their application sooner. Like, I don't know the entire sort of business decision behind that, but they don't recruit in recruiting season. Like, they open their applications in January. So it's, it's kind of interesting. But Tinder, Tinder is one of those that, like, later on they had opportunities. And then SpaceX was another one that I know has, like, more recruiting year-round than some of the other companies. Yeah, well, and actually, Mark, I love how you talked about um, what do you define as an internship? Because... This actually makes me remember, I actually did have a school job um, as a student web developer um, at the engineering school for my college at UW. And I guess I was kind of how I got my feet wet first and um, showed some like technical experience, which, um, you know, at the time, like helped really helped me set set myself apart. So, um, but I I actually, I'm similar. I I just went to career fairs and I just applied. Um, I didn't have to do anything crazy but um i i have heard it's like very competitive nowadays so i don't know how different it is but my experience was you know i would go to the career fair and when i was in college i actually was pretty aggressive in trying to apply i would go like in the september career fair like very very early on and a lot of them would just be like oh we don't have anything yet you're gonna have to come back but like oh you know well remember me you know if here's my business card right. like please please remember me you know and I'd email them be like hey you know I'm working on this project it's really cool so excited for your company you know and it's like just trying to build that network and that connection so that they remember you because there's just if you've I'm sure like uh, anyone who's gone to a career fair can relate like it's just like a sea of, like you open the doors and there's a sea of people I was like so overwhelmed. That's how I got my workday um, internship. Uh, I, I did have to do like a technical interview that was face to face. And then actually the following year uh, for my senior year, uh, I didn't get a full time job. So 
near the end of the year, I ended up looking at internships. And actually, that's how I ended up uh, getting one for Evernote. And the Evernote one, if I remember correctly, um, I didn't have, I did have to do like a phone interview, but there was like a coding question too. And so I'm more familiar now, like I hear like Hacker Rank um, and these types of sites where they give these coding challenges, they're a lot more um, prominent. I started to see that happen more um, um, during that time. So that was like in 2014-ish. Gotcha. Augustus, when you say phone interview, are you referring to kind of like a non-technical, just sort of like more behavioral style interview when you say phone interview? Good question. Yeah, it was kind of a mix. Um, I think for this one, they like kind of did a mix. Like the manager really just um, did ask me some behavioral questions, but he actually did ask me some technical questions. So so this internship I did was like more for web development because that was my experience because I preferred front, front end at the time. Um, so he asked me some very basic like questions of like, oh, what's your familiarity with um, content management systems, which at the time they were trying to build a blog or or like a little like internal portal at the time. So they asked me questions like that. That's cool. Yeah, I'm curious too, like you both had said like a bit about the interview process too. When I did a, mine, I, I don't even think it was called an internship. I did, I remember doing the career fairs and things like that they were not helpful at the time there wasn't a lot of technical jobs at the time too and so a lot of it just it did feel overwhelming and also just kind of like not really helpful but with the school that I went to they had done a work practicum where they'd put you you basically that was part of finish your degree you actually had to do quote unquote an internship I believe it was unpaid too but it was just part of like actually getting uh, real life experience, which I'm all for. I think that's amazing to to do that. I don't remember how it was set up though. Like I feel like it was, I remember some interviews, but I can't remember if I actually had to do like a technical interview at the time. Maybe it was just more like, you know, they knew a bit of my skills or whatever it was and just kind of talking to see if it was a fit. But I'm curious, you both had mentioned like technical, were they really extreme technical interviews where you're doing like whiteboarding or is it just more like Augustus, like the CMS type question where it's just like, just getting a sense for some of the like understanding of some of the technologies out there? Yeah, I can speak to some of my experiences where I think now, since mine has been kind of like later on, I guess I'm like the result of where COVID has taken the industry. And so like in-person whiteboarding has still not made its way back to life during my tenure as like an intern. Yeah. So all of mine that are technical have been sort of like Zoom interviews, kind of like this one. But instead, like we'd be sort of going through some kind of like algorithmic style problem. Most of the times now, I'm actually curious how um, prominent like leak code things were at your guys's time. But now it's sort of like the majority of technical questions you'll be asked are like some variation of like a leak code style algorithm problem to test like data structures and algorithms. So most of them have been that. Netflix is actually one of the only ones that do ask system design rounds for interns. Um, it's actually nothing. I've, I haven't had that anywhere else. Um, but I would say like they made it well like it was well designed to sort of be a little more catered to the intern level i think like i got a little panicked about that at the time and was like trying to over prepare for it and i think like when i got to the actual interview i realized that like they're not expecting me to have every con like all the context out there on system design uh and then some it'll depend on the company but some of them do have like a kind of behavioral interview uh where i would say 
I found that the companies that have a behavioral interview, I usually tend to end up having a better overall experience with. Yeah, yeah. For me, um, it, it definitely differed from company to company. I, I remember um, I, I, I'll just be honest, I failed one of them so badly. So I was asking the interviewer, interviewer for advice. <laughs> and, you know, he was like a really nice guy. He was so nice. He's like, hey, I totally get it. We've all been there. You know, you're still in school. You have a long way. Um, and uh, at least uh, back then, he did say they asked more algorithmic data structure, uh, if you want to call it beat code um, questions. Because, and the reason they said they do that is because, like, especially if you don't have a lot of, like, industry experience, they try to like ask questions that is like probably fresh, which is like what they assume is like CS fundamentals or what you learn in school. So that was the justification they gave me. I, I, I can't say whether that's like right or wrong. You know, um, everybody has their own way of assessing. Um, but I, I, ha I do know like hacker rank during my senior year. And even like when I was at Evernote and then I, I had met, interns I mentored, they said that they would use like hacker rank or on these online testing um, things where companies would upload their question and they would have like a certain amount of time to complete it. And it would be like technical um, leak code esque questions. Um, so that, and uh, from what I remember is like, there's like a list of test list of unit tests that you have to try to pass. Um, if you don't pass them all, then very very unfortunate probably but um uh, but they also like get a re i think the um the company gets a recording they even see like how you code during that time um so they can like kind of assess i, I don't know what they make from that but yeah for online assessments um so there's like two popular ones that i run into nowadays which like, one of them is hacker rank and the other one is code signal um there's a third one that is recently getting gaining in popularity, which is called Byteboard. And by far, I prefer Byteboard. Like if I had the option as like a manager to pick which one I would go with, I would definitely pick Byteboards. And I could speak to some of my experiences about them. So like HackerRank is like your typical, you'd probably hop in, you might have like 60 to 90 minutes to do like two problems. And then code signals, in my opinion, are like kind of extreme. Like I've done a lot of internships, but I've always sort of struggled with getting a good score on code signals. They've always been like even more algorithmically complex in what I've seen. And they're also like proctored and you have like 90 minutes to do like four problems or maybe even 60 minutes to do four problems. But Byteboards, on the other hand, like they don't focus on the whole lead code approach. And instead, like the ones I've done are split into two sections. So at first, you'll get like a technical design doc. And there'll be like some questions already left for you, like as if it was your coworker. And the idea is like your coworker is planning to implement this new thing. This is their design doc, review it, leave questions. And then like at the bottom, they'll give you a few open-ended suggestions on like which approach should we take. And you'll just have like a big text box to kind of just talk about like which approach you want and why. And they'll have like a human actually review these. And then the second part is like, they throw you in a virtual IDE where they essentially have you implement the design doc earlier uh, and you have like multiple files and some predefined classes already there for you. And so it feels like so much closer to the kind of work that you'd actually do on the job. And the ones that I've had that for have been like a breath of fresh air. I've given Byteboards for uh, Figma uses Byteboard now and Lyft also uses Byteboard. I couldn't speak to who else might have hopped on the bandwagon. 
I like that though, that it sounds a lot more practical. Like to me, even being a manager, uh, like assessing some of these like technical interviews, I look at it as it's, I'd rather see someone apply those practical skills or even like you said, Mark, taking a class that's already like there and like, how do you leverage it? Um, because it's not, there's not a lot of times that you're like, all right, write me this algorithm or, you know, do this data structure. I mean, yes, we do that. But it's like, I feel like these are a lot more practical to really get a sense for how someone operates and how they potentially could collaborate with someone else. This seems very promising of an approach. Like I, I would personally like that better to assessing someone's code. Yeah, this is like super cool uh, for, for folks. Uh, I guess we could leave it in the show notes, but it's called biteboard.dev. I've never heard of it. That's This is really cool. Uh, I totally agree with you, Ryan. I think particularly in the age that we live in now where like any kind of basically code algorithm is like one chat GPT away and everything like that is so trivial to do now where it's like a lot more of the knowledge of devs kind of comes from being able to synthesize a lot of information together uh, and like communicate it clearly rather than just like code up a depth first search on like a binary tree. And so it's nice to see that like initiatives taken more towards that. Yeah, and that's actually a good call out. Just with AI in general right now, there is an uptick of people leveraging it for interviews and technical interviews at that. Um, it, it's a slippery slope, right? Like I'm, I'm not opposed to using tools for what they're intended. Like as an engineer, we Google things all the time, right? Like it's like, I don't remember every, there's no way to remember everything, every method that's out there or API. It's like you, you have to leverage uh, Google for that. AI is great. Like why not leverage those tools? But I think when it comes down to some of those <laughs> exercises or coding interviews where literally the AI is answering it for you and it's just a copy and paste. It's not really demonstrating anything. And actually, I have seen people leveraging it where the people interviewing start to recognize, oh, they just use ChatGPT to answer this. And like, yeah. that's not a great thing to be doing because it, you know, they're just going to pass on you there and that's not going to work out for you e anyways. It'd almost be better to get like a wrong answer by trying and demonstrating your skills versus like, here's the perfect solution. And it may not be right, but hopefully it is from the AI. You know, it's not even a perfect solution always. Yeah, that actually reminds me where... Interesting story. When I was at one of my companies, I remember that they were speaking about how they felt like some of their interview questions may sort of have been leaked and that they've noticing a trend of like students or like interviewers kind of like solving a problem in a specifically particular way that maybe isn't the most intuitive way. And a lot of people sort of continuing to do the same thing. Um, and it was interesting to me, like, how how do folks approach that, like the committee that's responsible for these interviews? And it was interesting that the response that they received was that, like, if we assess our interviews properly and like our rubric and sort of like the, what we look for is aligned, even like you should be able to see through that where the code complete solution isn't the checkbox. It's like you should be able to understand if this person understands the code that they're working you through and like can communicate that clearly. So it was interesting to hear that, like. That wasn't even the biggest emphasis. Like the the problem is just the tool to actually assess the other skills. And it really highlighted it to me. Yeah, no, I think like I always leverage those coding exercises later too in the interviews. Not always, I shouldn't say always, but often um, find they're really useful to 
you know, if it was a take home exercise, it's like, okay, cool. You were you maybe time constraint on it. Like you're not spending weeks on, on it. It's only a couple hours. And so what are the trade-offs that you made? What would you do differently given more time? Those things are so much more valuable to me than just a right answer because it's like, it's really getting at like how the person thinks. And we all have these trade-offs in our jobs, right? Like we're building something that's like, yeah, cool. If I had three years to build it, I'd probably cover all the things that I need to cover. But that's the trade off that I'm making is like, I don't have three years to create this. I want this out there in the next few months. And so there's just different ways in which you someone thinks about those things. And so someone throwing it in chat GBT and getting an answer doesn't really necessarily get at those things like they may not uh, be able to answer those follow up questions. And that's not going to look great either. So, I mean, maybe a public service announcement on here is don't just use ChatGPT or any of the AI that's out there. It's like, you know, try and understand what's actually happening in the question. But don't, don't, I would say don't hesitate to when you're studying, use ChatGPT sure. to ask the questions because it's so not, it like, it takes rubber ducking to the next level. Like the rubber duck speaks back now. <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing is like, it's a tool that you should leverage. I think like, I'm not against that at all. But that's a good call out too is like, yeah, you should use it when you're studying or trying to get answers. It's it's pulling searches from a lot of places. So that's that is a good way to use it. So we talked a bit about various companies that you know, both of you have done internships at. And I'm curious, how do you choose which company maybe it's from like the early days of applying? But is it maybe you have multiple offers and so you have to choose, but even just those early days, like how do you choose what the right company is? Do you just like mass apply and hope for the best? Do you like be a little more targeted, specific? Mark, you waited till last minute, had to find someone, you know, Tinder. I'm curious, like, how do you think about it? I, for me, when I was def- starting out, it was definitely like I was applying to every single role out there that I feel like I was even close to qualified for. That's how it started. Um, I was kind of like, I'll take literally anything and I just want to get an opportunity to put my foot in the door. Uh, So that was like more so year one where I was sort of applying to anything. And literally that year, I just, I had two interviews. One was SpaceX, which I did fail. Um, And the second one was Tinder, which luckily worked out. Um, And, but I did, Tinder worked out before I failed SpaceX. So my nerves were a little more calm. I felt like things were okay. (laughs) (laughs) But the second year, honestly, still same. Like I did still mass apply to basically most of the big companies out there. Um, and then I, like the ideology was always like it can't hurt to sort of send the application. And it's I'm in a much better position to pick where I want to go rather than like be excluding myself from something that like I don't even know if I have a shot at yet. So I sort of applied to everything. Um, and funny enough, like Netflix was actually one of the ones where like I felt like I wanted to work at Netflix, but you always still have the sort of thoughts creeping up of like, I don't know if I'll pass their interviews. I remember Netflix uses CodeSignal and CodeSignal was something that like I would struggle with. And so I was like, man, I might just like not even get past it. Is it even worth applying? Because I think I already had like another offer for the summer, Uh, but I just sort of went ahead to go with it. And like it worked out timelines and all that like fit into each other. So I'd say... In terms of picking, for me, I, I bet this answer will vary from everyone. My biggest thing for starters was that like I knew I wanted to stay in LA. 
I was willing to leave LA short term for like an internship or something like that. But I knew long term that I wanted to be in LA. And so I would say that was like my North Star for filtering out companies if I felt like there's a long term possibility of being here. Um, and so like Figma, it was something I moved for my Figma internship, but it was something I let them know from like early on that like full time, I'd really love to be remote. And it's something they were working with me on. I think I also had mentioned that to you, Ryan, when we had our interview or like I would want to be in LA. Um, so that was definitely a big thing, which narrows down the companies a lot because like, especially for the new grads, there isn't a ton of companies that are offering remote nowadays. Uh, LA is not a big hub by any means. Even Netflix is like, we have the LA presence, but it's not primarily engineering at all. So it was finding the companies that could be in LA. And then I guess the next thing from there was sort of like, there was a compensation aspect to it. Like I kind of did want to work for the companies that I felt like had the highest compensation that met the criteria of being in LA and being like something that I'm relatively interested in joining. And then I guess I only knew my other decision sort of pieces after I actually went through the processes at the internships. But in terms of like offer to acceptance, I think location was my biggest benchmark. And then like which company am I most excited about if compensation kind of felt similar and that, that was like my North Star. I like that though. I like that you had some checklist that you were like focusing on that's like, here's the criteria that it has to meet. And I think that that no matter what is important. You know, at first when you're talking about like, you know, mass applying, I'm like, normally advice, I would say like for someone who's further in their career, I'd say do not just mass apply, be a lot more thoughtful and think really about where you want to work. But you know what, it sucks being an intern or, you know, new grad, anything where you're like, I just need my foot in the door to get the experience in order to get the job. That's difficult. And so you do have to cast a wider net. You really do. And so like, I know there's even been times on probably prior episodes of Front End Happy Hour that we've talked about where we're like, don't just apply to everywhere. Like, don't like it's, you know, it's, I mean, you can do it, but it's like, you should be a lot more thoughtful and really go after like what you want to narrow the focus. I think in this case, I don't think that is the right advice because it's exactly what you said, Mark, where it's like, you just want that experience. Like, how do you gain the experience? Well, you got, someone's got to give you that chance and you want to get that. And if you have five offers, well, great. Now you can start to narrow it down. But that that start, you just want to cast that wide net. So it's a good call out. I think I said this on a previous episode, but like, don't filter yourself out. You know, your job is not to filter yourself out. That's the interviewer recruiter's job. Like your job is to get a job, an internship. Um, I, I do think like Mark, what you brought up is like, it's important to like be kind of understanding of like, like, can you see yourself working there? And like, you know, within reason, right? Like, I think location is a really, really good example of like, you know, you could apply to everywhere in the world or in the United States or something, wherever you're based. But like, at that point, you're really just like, wasting more time for you, if you already know that you're, you wouldn't see yourself working somewhere else. Um, So yeah, so be reasonable, but definitely like, you know, let them do the filtering, you know, like, and, and and I think like that's important also for like even like when you're looking for new jobs, not even just internships, and you see those minimum qualifications, like five years expected experience. Like, I mean, if you feel you can speak pretty well about a topic, like just ignore that. I, like I I swear no one's like counting 
how many years like oh ooh, this person's 3.2 years GraphQL. I don't think he's going to be a good fit. You know what I mean? Like my favorite is always the like 20 years of <laughs> React experience in your life. <laughs> Man, that hasn't existed. Like I've seen that. Maybe not 20 years, but where you're like, "Wait, that doesn't even add up." Like React hasn't existed. That. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious as you both think to internships and I'll I'll go back to mine as well, but what made it a good experience for you? Yeah, I could speak to this. Um, I know the cute, the the learning, the word. What do we call it? Like the key word. Mentor. Thing is now about, yep. Right. I was gonna say like. Cheers. One of, mentor. Cheers. One of the biggest things that are like a huge part of your internship is definitely like your mentor. Um, that's where I was getting at. Because because with your mentor, right? <laughs> Cheers again. They end up becoming a lot of who you're interacting with on the day-to-day. Even let's say when I was on Netflix, I was on Ryan's team, but Ryan and I would speak sort of like a handful of times. It's like a very different amount because your manager has multiple different reports, whereas uh, the person assigned to you to be your mentor, I have to say the word again. Cheers. They're sort of fully invested in you. They're the one who's like waking up and wondering like, what is Mark up to today? How did this week go? Like, what are your highs and lows of the week? They're sort of the person who's like your right-hand man. And so I do think when I find myself reflecting on internships, there is a direct correlation between the relationship that I had with the person sort of overseeing my work with kind of like how I feel about that internship. I would say um, there are nice things about like, what you work on too, which is kind of out of your control because even at the same company, we can all end up working on things that the, so I might like what I, my project more than someone else might like their project. Those things do go hand in hand. Like they definitely play a role. But I would say anywhere that I've gone where I've had a mentor, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> where I've had a mentor who I feel like was willing to offer me their time and willing to sort of like coach me to learn things that I feel like I otherwise couldn't learn were great. And I feel like the internships that I had that in the most standout way were Tinder, Netflix, and Figma. What about you, Augustus? I actually love it. Yeah, definitely the the teacher. Now I'm just going to say it. Mentor. Hey, hey, drink up is definitely such a big part. I, I would say another really big thing that makes an internship experience really good is knowing the project you're working on is something that will have an impact or it will be on production or it's not just going to be like an experiment that someone looks at and says, okay, cool. And then like you, like I feel like I feel, and I've definitely heard from other people, other people who've been in internships, like knowing your the project you work on has an impact is like really, really cool. And it's like something to be super proud of. And, I like knowing that the work I did like is something that makes an impact, whether it be on the company or on the app or whatever. Like it's just cool to know that that's a thing. Yeah, actually, like that is a massive part. Uh, and I think my answer is kind of missing that where that really dictates how fun or how like excited you are to keep working more at this company. Like that's what gets you up every day. Uh, and the places where I haven't felt that kind of impact, I've just been less motivated to work for the company. Um, like long term, I see less of a future with myself there. I think the uh, Figma is a place where I feel like I had the most impactful project. And I guess maybe that shows the impact of it because I did choose to return to Figma. 
Like that has always stuck with me. And I do think like at Figma, it's you also, the company size just naturally has to matter. Like at Figma, I think we're, I don't know, like a thousand or so employees, maybe a little more, uh, but definitely like less than 2000, something like that. And I work on Fig Jam particularly, which is like even smaller subset of people. And so it's like the individual impact that I have as an engineer at Fig Jam, or like, I don't know, we might be like a hundred people on Fig Jam, uh, is disproportionate to let's say when I joined Netflix was the biggest company, which is where we're now at like 13,000 people. You just sort of can't really wrap your head around everything that's going on in the same way. I like that call out on company size. That is definitely something to think about. Because uh, one thing I was going to highlight for my internship was, I mean, I worked at a really small company. It was like nine people or something. It was a small agency. But one thing was definitely the people, the I'm going to say it, but the the mentors, absolutely. Yeah. Cheers. What I liked about it, though, is I got a good mix of things that I was working on, too. Like, I, I remember even working really closely with the one designer, working really closely with the one flash engineer, and then even like a back-end engineer. And, and most of my work at the time was primarily in flash. I wasn't really doing a lot of design work or back-end work, but I learned so much from all three of those people. And, and there was others too, but those three just like so different in, in what I was learning from them. And, and that was so powerful. I was also exposed to so many different things too. Like, I think I even did some video editing while I was there. Like there was just some things like that where it was cool to just kind of be thrown into things. I agree with you both. It's like you want to have impactful work that you're doing. Some of the work, I think it was all impactful in some way, shape or form, but just being in also being able to just do different things was really cool because it also helped me understand what would I want to focus in? Like where, where, where would I really want to go and, and learn more of that skill set? So I think that was an experience that I felt was really good. That's cool. Like a very diverse, like, yeah, experience. that's a good way to put it. Augustus is like a diverse experience, um, which I think is good. I mean, Maybe if you already know what you want to specialize in, then that's mm -hmm. probably not the best. I mean, it doesn't hurt to learn other things ever, but I think if you know what you want, that can be better to maybe just narrow that focus. I'd agree. This makes you realize, like, I guess how many factors really go into like an internship experience. But for me, one of the things that I can also mention about Figma was when I was there, it was the place where I had the most opportunity to work cross-functionally. Like you mentioned, speaking with design and like at Figma, we have very tight like design engineering loops just by nature. Like we're building, designing the company. Not surprised. Design. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, but I remember when I was at Figma, I was like, yeah, now I got to like really experience what is it like to work with a PM and report to both like my PM and have like a designer, then have my own sort of like manager and all these different kind of functions. And I guess that also it'll vary from what people want. But for me, that's something that like, I really enjoy that process of. And I feel like there was a lot of trickle down learning of sort of being thrown into like this team environment working cross functionally, basically every day. And so I do think that was one of the things that made that internship in particular stand out. Right on. You know, we mentioned it as a keyword, and obviously it's super important. I'm curious, what makes a good mentor? Cheers. Ring a ding ding. Definitely patience is such an important quality because it, especially like someone who has many years of experience, you, you tend to forget like what it's like to learn or be onboarded. Like, and also, you know, just like being in that environment for like many years, the natural jargon of even service names, like 
we have okay like we have services that are named after star wars characters or whatever and so you know just in the hallway talking about oh yeah boba is having some issues you know we gotta go to java fet so <laughs> or something like that right it's very overwhelming and you're naturally going to have to ask a lot of questions so i think a really important characteristic for mentors especially for interns is you know have patience and really uh really understand that you know they're trying to learn from the ground up and you know really looking in for their best interests um yeah i think that's like another big thing right like you know the project that they're working on is important but really remember that this is also a huge learning experience for them and so you want them to take away something from it you know even if the pro you know naturally everyone would love that the project is finished in fact maybe there's someone saying hey i'm expecting this person to finish it or they might not get a return offer and i would i would say as a mentor sure you know like really like try to communicate that but really focus on what they're going to get away, take away from this internship you know like what skills are they going to get and really like try to have that kind of communication with your mentee talk to them what are they interested in learning in and like really making sure that they're getting what they're looking for from this internship they might not want to even come back to the company you know so like really like do what like really understand what are they looking to get out of this internship and then trying to see if you can help meet that i agree to your point augustus on like these internships truly are learning opportunities at the end of the day um they're almost like maybe extended interviews <laughs> in some cases as well they, they are <laughs> like a three month oh, they really totally are, are. <laughs> yeah right right I would say one of the things that I found to be most helpful is when they're really open to collaboration. I guess for me, like the best way that I learned was just being able to kind of download their brain, um, someone who has like way more years of experience than say I do. And so I oftentimes found myself wanting to not just know like what would you do differently, but also like why, like how do you sort of think about that process, whether that be like synchronously kind of reviewing certain bits of code or whether that's like just kind of like explaining the why behind everything that you're doing or pairing more often things like that in my opinion have gone much further in terms of making me feel like i'm learning a lot and also learning to kind of operate in the way that this may be more senior engineer than i operates in so that's been very nice because as a student you typically don't really get much exposure at all to what a senior engineer is even. Um, and so that has been very helpful. And I would say the other thing that I think makes interns feel good is feeling like their mentor has a degree of ownership over their own growth. Like they take a degree of like, this is also their responsibility to kind of think about what their intern is doing, what these requirements are. And like, you want them to be out there batting for you. And I think like that sort of combination is nice in terms of, feeling like they're helping your career progress and also just helping you develop your your own learning. I love that you said that too, because there should be a sense of ownership on them. Like I look at it too is for a senior engineer, I see that as an opportunity too for them, mm -hmm. right? Like it's a growth opportunity that they may have never been a mentor for an intern or new college grad. Cheers. I know we're just going to say this a bunch, yeah, so right. you know, whatever. Great word. 
But that's important, right? Like I see it as they should treat it as an opportunity for themselves too to try and help like teach someone um, because there's skills to that. But then it's also like helping build up the team. Like I think there's a lot of benefits to that as well. And Mark, I think you said it really well too, is like one thing I was actually very much appreciated about you as an intern, you asked a lot of those thoughtful questions. It wasn't just like, hey, we're doing this, but it was like, why? Like and there was always that like deeper question of like, even, you know, one-on-ones with myself, I saw that with the, your mentor as well. Like there was just really deep questions. And I think that's like a great opportunity. I hadn't even thought about it from that perspective is like, you're not faced with that. Like a lot of being a senior engineer, it's just experience. That's really all it is, is like, you're like, yeah, I've kind of seen that that's going to get us into trouble or that's not going to work because of X, Y, and Z. And so the more that you can just like, eat that up and like be like, oh, I'm going to put that in my back pocket to like remember that that can be really powerful. So I love that you called that out. Yeah. And I, and I do want to say one of the things like my a lot of my understanding of what a good mentor should sort of look like did really hone itself during my last internship. Like at Netflix, my mentor, his name was David, was probably the best mentor that I've had. I think not even probably like he was the best mentor that I had over those six internships. And I think he really like exemplified a lot of these things that I'm speaking about. And now when I try to find myself answering the question, I look back on what stood out to me about the way that like David mentored me. And so it's, it's cool to see that. Well, we should give David, David Simmer a shout out for that one too. Um, yeah, he's, he's been on an episode of front end happy hour. It's, it's been a couple years, I think, but, uh, yeah, we did one years ago on transitioning from, second career basically because david oh. had moved into engineering after doing a prior career uh so i think that's what the episode was Ooh. when we talked on it so, thank you david very yeah, yeah. cool so we talked a lot about like what are the good experiences or makes it good i'm sure you experienced some bad experiences while being on interns i'd be curious we don't need to focus on the bad but like what are some of the things that like maybe if you didn't experience or what are things that could have made it better? I won't name names for like companies and whatnot, but I have had some experiences that like I look back on and I'm like, dang, that like really could have gone better. Um, That really could have been an overall better internship. And I think the biggest thing that stood out to me there was like, I've joined teams in the past where I guess it sort of felt like the company doesn't really care about having an intern. Like it sort of felt like everyone isn't on the same page about the internship program where like the team that I joined, I felt like me being an intern was like a responsibility dropped onto that team rather than like that team wanting an intern and the business accommodating them. And so that was just always faced. I remember when I was there, I never even had a single one-on-one with my manager. Like they never sort of reached out and I kind of like never really thinked either. Um, And even some of the work that I was doing, like there were periods of time where it was kind of like pending what I should do next. So I do think like preparation is a big one. When you join a company, like you really want to feel like these people are excited to have you on the team and also know why you're here and what you're here to do. Um, And so like, that is one of the biggest ones that I would say of like feeling like you actually have space for an intern on your team and whatever it is that you're working on, rather than just like trying to pop an intern somewhere that they might not belong. Dang, that that's a really good one. I was going to say something about that, but I have another one. I have another one, which um, I think, Mark, you, you actually kind of talked about it, like how you enjoyed the cross-functional nature of internships. Like, I would say the biggest complaint I've seen, like when we like 
ask interns like, oh, what did you like or what did you not like um, is their project is too siloed. Um, and this is like by design sometimes, like, you know, like sometimes very intentionally, like we'll make the project like, okay, you know, we don't want too many dependencies. We don't want this intern going on goose chases of like trying to figure out and they don't do anything. But that also has this like kind of big drawback where they don't, they may not get a lot of interaction with like other people. And that's like a huge part of the internship experience or work experience. Like a lot of people who pursue internships, they're trying to get real work experience and need to work with other people. And if you make a project too siloed, then they kind of lose that. So I would say like, if you are like preparing an internship project, like trying to make sure at least there is like some cross-functional, like even if it's just a designer or a PM that's involved, like that's already a really big um, step. Um, that's also why I think having like something that goes to production is really good because, you know, if it goes to production, people are naturally going to need to be involved in that, right? Like someone's going to be on call to like make sure no issues happen or like what's the rollout strategy? Like how is it going to production? Like what's the communication to users? What about the feature, et cetera? Like there's a lot of these little things that you learn from doing that. So. Yeah, that's definitely something I, I commonly hear. It's like too siloed. It is by design a little bit, right? Like, because, you know, you you don't want to throw, you want to set people up for success, right? And you, you want to set them up for success and you want people to be able to land something. Internships are shorter term. They're definitely not as experienced. So you're giving them things that you think are good. You know, you don't want to just give them the easiest thing ever that they're like, yeah, that's too easy. But it's a, it's a balance. You want to try and, and get something that's like not so challenging that they can't land something. But that's a good call out, Augustus, even on the advice is that doesn't mean that you're so siloed that no, but you don't work with anyone. Like you should be collaborating with like a product manager, designer, um, obviously other engineers within the team, but just getting a mix of that can go a long way. I think another one that I was going to add is that maybe a little similar is just giving some of the grunt work, right? Like I've definitely, even in my own internship, I think a little bit, there was points where I was like, and a lot of that work fell on me, which made sense. But some of it too is I think it needs to be a balance where you at least are getting something that's like a little more meaty too, so that you're making sure that someone sees something from early or starting a project to kind of finishing it and, and getting the whole sense of it, not just doing something like some of the grunt work that maybe some of the more senior engineers just don't feel like doing. That's not what the intern is there for. Also, I think a misconception that companies sometimes have is that the intern's there to just like make your life easier and to just pick up those tasks. I think that's false. Um, having interns is actually more work because Mark said it well too, is you have to prepare for it. You have to be thoughtful. You have to spend time with them. You want to make sure that people are learning in those scenarios. So I think that that's another thing that can go wrong is where people are like, oh, great. Like we have an intern to just get a bunch of work done. It's like, no, that's not really what's going to happen. It's actually you invest in them and that's how it should be. It's like, it's it's more work up front because you're investing in them. Right. I do think, I, I totally agree with that. I think you exemplified that when you were like, my manager during the internship, which was awesome. But I, I, I think that's what I see a lot. Like, I think the approach of kind of like giving the intern grunt work is sort of very short-sighted. I think like it's all you're looking at is like, oh, we have someone joining the team for three months. Like, what can we just give them to get out of our plate? 
but it's not really taking the long-term approach of like, if you have an intern there for three months, that three months is to set them up to be joining your company for years and years on end. And a bunch of grunt work isn't really going to get them there. And so, yeah, I do think some people do take a short-sighted approach on that. Absolutely. All right. Well, before we dive into picks, I would love one piece of advice for an intern out there that's just getting ready to apply to some jobs or thinking about their summer internship. What advice would you give them? My biggest piece of advice is to optimize for finding as many experiences as you can, even if they're unpaid, over just siloing yourself to more coding projects. Because I know Augustus mentioned that he had, let's say, like that student web developer role. And my bet is that he learned infinitely more things from that role than if he just tried to even just build the same application, just like on his own, completely alone. And I think like that's the biggest thing that I've done uh, during my recruiting process. I never had a single coding project on my resume. And instead, I just constantly tried to like join school clubs, organizations, like anywhere that I could kind of like build software with a team. And I do think that once recruiting season came around, those kinds of experiences send a lot more positive signal to a recruiter where it's not just the fact that you can like write lines of code, but it's the fact that like you have experience working in this sort of like structured engineering environment, collaborating with other people, reviewing code, kind of like thinking about users because your projects likely don't have users. And so it's like, try to focus on building your resume of experiences and leveraging the credibility that those organizations already have instead of just trying to make your own coding project from scratch because you will get further that way. Yeah, I don't know if I can speak to like finding internships because I feel like it's changed a lot. Um, But definitely when you have an internship, um, my biggest advice is pretty similar to Mark, you know, like making sure like you take advantage of that opportunity of working in the company and not just like interacting with your ring-a-ding-ding, your mentor, cheers. Cheers. But but interacting with other people in the company, like getting to know them and networking. This is like the best opportunity to network and build relationships. Like I'm going to be honest, right? Like I did not know Ryan when I came out of college, but it was because of that internship. And I happened to sit next to him and I was like, oh my God, he's working on a marketing website. He, he owns Evernote.com. That's like so cool. Like, that's how like I got to meet Ryan and I built that relationship and my manager was able to work out something with Ryan so that I could join his team. Actually, yeah, Augustus, if we probably didn't know each other, that may not have happened where I was like, yeah, we will definitely take Augustus on, yeah. right? So definitely good call out is networking and like meeting people. That's your opportunity for sure. Even just during Mark's time at Netflix, I had interns reaching out to me. A couple of them just like wanted to set up coffee chats. I'm like, yeah, sure. Like that's why not? Right. You never know where those networking things go. But we've said this many times on the podcast for anything. It's like network, always be networking. It's hard to know when it pays off, but it can. Yeah, even a small example of that is like when I was an intern at Netflix, I coincidentally had a one-on-one with Jam Young before I even knew that he like helps you on this podcast or ever is on here. So like that just goes to show how some of those things can always sort of come full circle. And it's too bad we didn't have Jam on the podcast yeah. right now, but yeah, that's that's hilarious. All right, well, let's uh, dive into picks. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to share picks of things that we found interesting, want to share with all of you. Sometimes they're related to... Uh, the episode topic, but a lot of times not. Augustus, you want to start us off? Yeah, sure. Um, I only have one pick today, and uh, it's a it's a game. Uh, it's called the Finals. Uh, it it is just such a cool game. Um, it just came out 
literally a few days ago. It's uh, I, I don't really know how to best describe it, but it's a first-person shooter arena-style game. But it takes so many elements from a bunch of different games, um, like you, all the environments destructible, and there's like objectives. You're in a squad, and it just takes a lot of the elements from other battle royale and other these other squad like games and like combines into one. So I think it's a really awesome game worth checking out. Right on. Mark, what do you have to share with our listeners? My pick is actually this interesting software I ran across recently that I've started using. Um, I'm not sponsored, but they, they seem pretty cool. It's one of the first few times where lately I've seen like a, a demo that has impressed me. And so they're called rewind AI. I don't know if any of you may have heard of them, but essentially, you might know, Ryan, yeah. So it essentially like now keeps a constant like stream of everything that you do on your laptop. And it basically just allows you to go back in time, almost as if like everything had just sort of been recorded. And it allows you to also search throughout like everything that you've sort of gone through, listened to, or seen anywhere on the internet. And so it's actually like very cool for little weird moments where you like forget something or you can't remember when you saw something or you want to like accidentally closed out a tab or a message and you can just instantly go back to it. So this has been, I I don't use it very often, but it's constantly there. And it's probably one of the cooler things that I ran into lately. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive just being able to like actually see what's happening and like being able to rewind and, and see that. So very cool. The fact that you can search it too is like seriously impressive to me because they scan all of it to like then make it searchable. And I do think I do like the first thing I thought of if if you're listening to this and you're thinking of like does now rewind own like all the data of everything that I ever do on my laptop. They say that they store that all like just locally and that they don't have it, but I mean, don't quote me on it. <laughs> I mean, there's always creepy factors no matter what. So right. Right on. I have two picks, uh, both just things that I've been watching late recently. I'm sure a lot of people have recently watched uh, the Squid Game Challenge on Netflix. I highly recommend it. It's it's a really cool challenge. Um, I feel so sorry for a lot of the people having to go through it. It's like just a mental tax on them. And it's just like random in, in so many ways if you're going to win the money. But it's probably been one of the biggest prizes ever won that I've ever seen on any of like reality shows like that. So that was kind of cool. If you saw the Squid Game, like the actual TV show series, this they they lived up and made the challenge very similar. It was really cool. A little too dramatic, in my opinion, for like the reality piece of it. But overall, I enjoyed it. I highly recommend checking it out. And then uh, recently, I'm watching a show on FX. Uh, so I'm watching it on Hulu called Fargo. I watched it many years ago. It's on like the fifth season. I'm watching the latest season that's out right now, which is the fifth season. But they're very isolated. Each season is different. But they're, I don't think I watched all seasons. I remember maybe watching like the first couple seasons. So I'm probably going to have to go back and watch some that I've missed. But they're, they're just so good. They're like these raw stories, but they're great. I'm, I'm not going to say much more. I highly recommend going to check out probably any of the seasons. They're so far really good stories that they tell. So uh, worth checking out. I just want to thank you, Mark, so much for coming on and sharing your experiences and insights. I think this is really helpful just to really dive into the topic of internships. So thank you for joining us. Where can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more? Yeah, I think the main place that I guess I am is primarily LinkedIn, but I do also have a YouTube channel where now I've started like 
on LinkedIn, I've lately been getting just like so many students reaching out to me with like similar themes of questions. And now it's honestly been like, if you're listening to this, I probably won't be able to respond to your LinkedIn message because I seriously get like, I have over a thousand unread messages and LinkedIn doesn't even let you like filter them. So it's just like wild now. Um, but I do now have a YouTube channel where I sort of answer all of the sort of most common questions or the advice that I would have for interns. And so that is just also just my name, youtube.com, Mark Benlian. Awesome. We will uh, link that in the show notes as well. That's uh, I'm going to have to check that out, Mark. That sounds awesome. I, I love that approach too. It's like, I can't answer these all individually. I'm just going to answer this open on the web. So ple- people should need to go check that out. That'll be great. Well, thank you all for listening to today's episode. If you want to listen to us or find us, you can really search for us on anything you like to listen to podcasts on. You can find us on Twitter at frontendhh, frontendhappyhour.com. Any last words? Honestly, just want to say thank you for having me. This was very cool and it's awesome to see how it comes full circle. And this was a great episode. Awesome. Thank you, Mark. Mentor. Mentors. Cheers.